Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Pulp Podcast. Uh, we've got a commission, a uh, television commission this time. Melanie wanted us to watch a few episodes of her uh, one of her favorite uh, sitcoms, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which was an American romantic musical comedy uh, television series that started in uh, 2015. Like I said, ran for... No, I haven't said this yet. It ran for four seasons. It stars Rachel Bloom. She's also one of the co-creators and showrunners, uh, as well as Aline McKenna. Uh, and you'll be familiar with her work. She wrote The Devil Wears Prada. We bought a zoo, 27 dresses, uh, things along those lines. Rachel Bloom is a comedian actress who was discovered via YouTube in the early 2010s. Uh, she's really famous for this um, video called I Wanna, or uh, I Wa- yeah, I think it's called I Wanna Fuck Ray Br- Bradbury. The uh, crusty old uh, science fiction writer. <laughs> That's a weird topic for a song, but okay. Whatever uh, you do, you Rachel. Yeah, well, you know he's <laughs> uh, he, he writes a lot of uh, cosmically sexy stuff. Hmm. Uh, also, Vincent Rodriguez the third, who is the co-star, I guess, arguably from what I've seen, but he hasn't done much uh, since. Uh, Santino Fontana, who you will probably recognize his voice, he's Hans from Frozen. Uh, hmm. Frozen 1 and 2, as well as Donna uh, Lynn Camplin, Champlin. She has had some minor parts in Birdman, as well as the Matt Damon downsizing movie. I, I've got a, I've got a bunch of thoughts from Melanie, but I thought maybe we'd start with our own impressions because people are going to want to know right up front. Um, should I watch this? Is this something I'd be interested in? I will say that it's, it's uh, the entirety of it's available on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. So if you want to if you want to check it out, it's one of those uh, 40, 40 ish minute, uh, you know, feet, you know, hour length uh, sitcoms with commercials. Jim, what do you think of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Uh, I'm going to say something that's probably going to scare some people because it scared me. It's on the CW uh, is where it originally aired. <laughs> right. CW show. Uh, it was originally pitched, I guess, to Showtime and they were like, eh, no, thanks. And then the CW picked it up. That said, uh, I liked it. I I enjoyed almost all of it, uh, with with maybe one glaring exception. And like you said, I I, I so, so there was a bit of a mix up with like the order of episodes to watch or whatever on this commission. Yeah, um, I I had uh, failed to communicate that there was a last minute change uh, from episodes one, three, and four to one, two, three. Um, right, and and so you texted me, and I was like, uh, and you said, well, they changed it to one, two, three last minute. I was you were wrapping already up. done. Yeah, I had just literally finished episode four. Yeah, uh, so I watched episodes one, three, and four. Didn't feel like I missed much in two because the character I think that's a major part of two never shows back up in she three and four. Does she's like she's text she's the one that uh, uh-huh. Josh gets a text from and he yeah but she's literally never seen yeah, on yeah, screen yeah. during that yeah. well except for the flashback portion of episode three which goes back to episode two so I didn't feel like I missed much. Um, it, it was a good episode. I, I decided to watch them all to kind of make up to, in, in case there, you know, to make sure that I, I knew the context of episode two and see like maybe mm-hmm. why she want. I, I understand why she wants to skip it because it does seem like that character was like in that one episode and very important to that episode. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, like I said, disappears. So that makes that makes sense. Yeah. And then she's just a point of uh, contention between the characters for the next few episodes that i watched um i i wasn't familiar with this in any way uh in fact when i heard it was the crazy ex-girlfriend commission i was surprised that this was not a multi-camera uh sitcom kind of thing like one of those you know the office or something like that um because i i confuse this with i want to say maybe the girl next door or something. See, it sounds like to me like a late '90s, early thousands Freddie Prince Jr. movie. Uh-huh. You know, my cr- crazy ex girlfriend, and he's on the cover with uh, I don't know who would he be on the cover with? Some somebody from Party of Five. Sure, Nev Campbell's on the cover with like a yeah. purple with like purple background and Seinfeld lettering, and yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't sound like anything I'd ever watch, and I don't know that I'm going to watch the rest of it, but I enjoyed the, the three episodes that I watched. 
it's got an interesting format to it, I guess. It's kind of a musical. Uh, I, I think what I read, there are at least two songs in every single episode, sometimes up to four. Uh, and I enjoyed most of them, with the exception of that boy band song, which I think is god awful. Yeah, I the boy band. I I think it's interesting because there's a lot of things that came out right at this time. That I mean, I think this is a, a piece of crazy ex girl. Uh, crazy ex girlfriend is of a piece of with Lady Dynamite, BoJack Horseman. Uh, there's a lot of unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, but this was like, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to find the one that influenced it. It's more of like a whole bunch of people are like, I wonder what is the thing that influenced all this to come out at the one time? Was it all just like, Hey, Mm -hmm. let's talk about mental illness and you know, how we relate to each other as people. Because there was like this, uh, you know, and it never really has stopped. Like there's, there's, there, there mm-hmm. continues to be more and more um, series to come out to kind of challenge our understanding about mental health and all that kind of stuff. But for whatever reason, like, yeah, mid 2010s, um, there's this I trend. Think, I think and, it's millennials coming of age, like, like getting into positions where they can create content people like People that this. grew up with their access to therapy and, and uh, mood stabilizers being like, hey, let's talk about this. Sure, and loads of and loads of trauma, and yeah, like all, all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think it's the the generational thing that kind of just like happened in the two twenty tens and stuff. But I find like it's yeah, it's very much of a piece. It's not maybe as subversive as BoJack Horseman, and of course, it's also hard to compare like three episodes or four episodes to like mm-hmm. I've seen the entirety of Lady Dynamite and all that kind of stuff. Um. I do. I, I was kind of amazed at how far this kind of pushed boundaries for a network show, especially like a second tier sure. network show. Um, Makes you sense know. when you hear that it was pitched originally to Showtime. They probably had to like tone it down a little bit for CW. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's like, um, like I said, it, it's, it's, it's surprisingly raunchy. Uh, and surprisingly naughty and the way they're able to suggest mm-hmm. that without actually having nudity or saying the word fuck is I think pretty impressive and um, yeah I, I, I was I was I was pretty charmed by this the show um, and I think if you do like you know Lady Dynamite Bojack Horseman Breakable Kimmy Schmidt you would probably uh, like this especially since like this thing is got crazy critical acclaim but like this thing mm-hmm. if you if you know anything about it you know that no one watched it it was like on a network television show almost 10 years ago was having a trouble pulling a one share mm-hmm. like that was its height it, it almost pulled a one share and then subsequent seasons i think it's last season it was playing to less than four hundred thousand people uh or, or households um but it had crazy clit- critical acclaim this, the second season in particular has got 100% uh, fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, sky high uh, Metacritic scores. Um, and like I said, I can see why. It's got a lot of sharp writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't surprised to see that uh, uh, Aline McKenna was attached to this because, you know, she's done a lot of really smart um, female focused com- comedy drama entertainment before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was also impressed with the commitment to the bit, like doing two, you know, kind of like Broadway quality or at least knockoff Broadway quality, at least like, uh, you know, what was that, uh, uh, uh book of Mormon, uh, levels, like, you know, sure. kind of like, like parody, sure. parody, uh, Broadway doing mm-hmm. that tw- two, two times an episode for f- four seasons is not a joke. I'm actually impressed that yeah. they didn't go away from that. No, it's a lot. It's a lot of songs. Uh, like I said, not not always the best songs in the world, but some of those are really good. Some of them are catchy, um, and I enjoyed them. Well, so like uh, one of the things that Melanie brought to my attention was that the the vast majority of the music was at least co-written by Adam Schlesinger, which mm-hmm. you might remember was the uh, uh, one of founding members of Fountains of Wayne. Wrote Stacy's mom and also all the catchy ditties on that thing you do. Uh, mm-hmm. Credited to him as well. So the guy knows his way around. Um, has and that's the thing. It's like he has a wide command of of music. Yeah, yeah. The the people that he's played with and the stuff that he's done ranges crazy far 
yeah you, you hear fountains of way and you're like uh i don't know <laughs> and then you look at the stuff he's done since then and it's everywhere it's all it's, over the place it's like the skill the skill set to write a true earworm and like the skill set of weird al yankovic and then mm-hmm. the skill set of like andrew lloyd weber that's right pretty fucking wide range skill set yeah i mean he wrote I, I guess he wrote a song for Nicki Minaj at some point. Like he's 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 written a lot of stuff that that is all over the map. Sure. Um, trying to think, it's like you know the other thing is like uh, this is I feel felt like one of the things I wrote in my notes is this felt very relatable. Like uh, the four episodes I watched, all of the core situations are things that I feel like I've personally either struggled, seen someone else struggled with, or gone through myself. Like these odd. You know, um, the things you do to avoid making other people uncomfortable, you know, Mm. uh, the positions you put yourself into rather than just forthrightly holding a position or coming out and saying something honest. Sure, Uh, sure. You know, you don't have to be full on like uh, I think she individual like I was reading like this place. This goes places. She goes she gets diagnosed with bipolar bipolar disorder. She goes to jail for crime she commits. I was kind of curious about that. Like, how are they going to keep this premise going for four seasons? Because it makes sense for four episodes, but four seasons seems like a lot of a stretch. I wonder if it maintains its comedic touch, because, like, that was one thing that Orange and the New Black struggled with. Like, the more and more it became, started Mm -hmm. dealing with people's, you know, family members dying and and children struggling and addictions and trauma Mm -hmm. and abuse and underfunded prisons. Surprise, surprise, the less funny it got. (laughs) Sure. So I mean, you can you can do it. I'm I'm a big fan of Scrubs and that show went on maybe longer than it should have. But I was a fan through the whole thing. And I, I could see this having a similar life, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, Scrubs did get sick because I did, I never watched Scrubs, but it had the reputation of getting. Yeah, I mean Brendan Fraser's arc alone was was sad enough for the whole. Brendan Fraser was on Scrubs several times, and he it was amazing. Yeah, he's excellent in that. Well, okay. Um, what else we want to say about this before we get into Melanie's comments, and then we can kind of like talk about the show in general. Uh, I, I want to mention more about the music because the thing that I liked about the musical numbers the most is the way that they broke into the song with the story and the 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 setting that she was in at the time she was singing it. So, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time they'll just break away, do a whole song and then come back. But a lot of the times the story and the show, it, it feels like she's off doing this song and the show is trying to break into her song to get its agenda through right like <laughs> the one that really cracked me up is i i mean, it's the second half of settle for uh settle for me or settle for him i guess is mm-hmm. what she's singing at the time mm-hmm. and she's at this taco festival and she's in the porta potty and there's just a dude ever between every bar breaking in saying hey i need to use a shitter uh, hey you can't monopolize the toilet at a taco festival lady yeah <laughs> it's so funny they did a light a light touch on that stuff where it's like sometimes I remember thinking I think it was the second episode or maybe it's the end of the first episode where she had gone in several songs and she was doing one like breaking out in front of one in front of her assistant. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, OK, because there's two types of like Broadway or musical type things. The one where like they're singing, but you have to understand that this is like a moment between time. Yeah. yeah. Or like it's a heightened version of a conversation they're having or a fight or something. But it's like you, they're not really singing and dancing. And then mm-hmm. there's other ones where it's like, oh, no, actually, they're just singing and dancing. And that's part of like, you know, it, it's they're just going to break out in song. And, and yeah, the whole... this is like both. It's weird. It does. It does. Yeah. That's what I'd say. It was hard to pin down because like, yeah, her her. And I wondered if it was like you're supposed to understand the people who do join her in song are like. What am I trying to what was the word? I want to say like psychically in tune with her or like spiritually aligned or emotionally aligned with her bullshit. Okay. Like, uh-huh. It's it's clear to me that like her assistant was like smitten with her in like a, a friend type of way right away. Like she didn't mm-hmm. want to like, oh, 
that was what was funny is like she kind of hated her because she saw her as a resume like this harvard yale lawyer that worked uh nyc and is just kind of slumming here and this shitty firm for 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 shits and grins and when she realized Mm -hmm. like oh actually you're really fucked up then she just like then she just started joining her in song so i i wonder if they're going to keep that going where it's like um who's josh's friend the the settling guy uh greg hans from from frozen yeah yeah. uh he got he got a a lead song so it's like Uh i'm I'm wondering long term they're kind of hinting the people who she's going to actually be important part of her lives and supporting the ones that are going to be you know going dead end kind of go nowhere maybe maybe did i I miss something in these four episodes that would have contradicted that no no i'm it could also just be that they're We've conveniently pulling the people in that they need to pull in, you know. Uh, but I'm not sure because I've only seen three episodes. Um, what do we want to get to uh, Melanie's comments now? Uh, sure. I, I definitely have some other about? things that I like about the show that I want to talk about. But okay, yeah, we'll, we'll do that after. Let's let's bring Melanie in here. She's the commissioner of this podcast. Uh, thank you very much for your support, Melanie. She says, my friend who told me to watch the show requested that I thank that crazy bitch, Alicia, for introducing me to this show. You don't have to call her crazy bitch if you don't feel comfortable with that, though. Ha ha. Uh, You can take my comfort with that for what you will, Melanie. I'd also like to dedicate the commission to Adam Schlesinger, the co-writer of all the music on the show. He died of COVID on April 1st, 2020. God damn. On April 1st? No shit. It's a cruel joke. That's cruel joke. COVID took it too far. Uh, now the song Stacy's Mom just makes me sad, uh, as he was a founding member of Fountains of Wayne. In terms of pre-feedback, I guess I'll explain why I chose this. You're not going to get some of these references until you watch the show, but I've been working hard at a New York job for a few years, and I recently went through a period where I felt a lot like Rebecca at the beginning of episode one. Uh, this is what happy feels like. Life felt gray and joyless, and it just sucked. Luckily, I'm married, and all my ex-boyfriends suck, so I didn't go down her path, but I ended up having to take some time off work to get back to my baseline self. Find myself drawn to rewatching the show when I need a pick me up because it's funny and weird, but doesn't trivialize mental illness. The episodes I chose are early on when Rebecca is very much in denial about everything, but later on the show is about healing, getting help, and learning to love yourself. The show even won an Emmy for outstanding original music and lyrics for the song. Antidepressants are not, are so not a big deal. Sang by the very talented Michael Hyatt, aka Brianna Parksdale from The Wire. It's just one of those shows that had me hooked immediately even though I was expecting it to be terrible because it was on the CW. Hope you guys like it, but I guess we'll see. Um, do you want to talk about the show? Because she's got additional fun facts. I thought maybe we could hit up at the end of the podcast. Um, okay. But we'll get back to you had you, you, you had some more thoughts. So let's get into those. Uh, yeah. The thing that struck me about at least the first episode, I don't recall seeing it after that, but I was taking note of the the way the show shot um it was shot as a like it was very different what i was expecting but it was actually even better than i think i wanted to give it credit for there's a lot of shots like i remember that one of her running out of the office uh when she's still in new york and into the alley and just thinking what an odd but like interesting shot like isolating shot that is like she's sitting kind of just on a curb in an alley where like the streets going by people are going by cars and stuff like it says so much in that shot about like the isolation she's feeling in that moment in this big city and i don't i don't recall them doing that stuff in later episodes but maybe they did but just the way like the the show was shot was really impressive to me um the, the stuff they were doing in that first west covina song where like she is sort of dancing around and the when she presses up against like a sign or something she will block a few of the letters in a way that like mirrors the lyrics she's singing i thought right. that was really cool yeah like the the one uh i forget what the restaurant name was but it starts with the j-o and ends with the sh and she blocks everything except for so she's literally encompassed by josh this yeah it was goulash was one that's of them. it goulash was the yeah 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 <laughs> I, I I thought the honestly I thought the musical parts were the best parts of the show. 
like uh-huh. the ones that got the biggest laughs for sure. Like uh, the funniest yeah. one I thought was the one where she's getting ready. I forget the 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 melody of it, but when oh she's oh my god, uh, it's like some a sexy transformation or something. A and sexy she goes, getting ready song or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> there's this one time where you know it's all it's like it it keeps cutting back between like this highly produced music video. You know, uh, is it Rachel or Rebecca? Um, it's Rachel. Bloom. Rachel's the actor. Yeah, Rachel is playing Rebecca. She's mm. all like sexed up and, you know, she's got her tits propped up and she's, you know, there's there's uh, wind blowing through her hair. And then it cuts back to like the same aesthetic in terms of filming and stuff. But she's in like a bathrobe, with, like a face mask. And she's like, I think the implication is she's uh, waxing her butthole. Uh-huh. And the splash of blood on the bathroom <laughs> tiles that they cut to was hilarious. And then like as I'm you're recovering doing from- it wrong, right? Like you you shouldn't get blood from waxing your butthole, right? Right? The, well, I mean it She's depends on it how much hair we're talking. Uh I when when I was when I was a younger man in my early twenties and I went to the beach, I'm like, I'm gonna do some strategic waxing. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm hairy as fuck. And let me tell you, that is some fucking pain. I will. Ne- I would never oh, yeah. willingly do that pain. again. So, like, yeah, I think you could probably rip skin. Oh, all uh, right. I don't know about buttholes, but uh, and then when they had the rapper come, horrible. so like this is like you know slow jam sex, and he's gonna the, drop this like sexy hey little mama let me whisper in your ear verse, and mm-hmm. he starts up to shit in the bathroom, and then he starts seeing my kind of look at all like the bloody bandages, and he's like. Man, this is some really fucked up patriarchal bullshit. In fact, I have to rethink my whole life. I got some bitches I need to call and apologize to. Yeah, uh, his bitches I, to apologize to list is pretty hilarious. Which then came back the around as like a post credits where he's literally calling all the girls that he's had uh-huh. in the music video and be like, you know, I, I really, it's <laughs> watching her struggle to get ready to be sexy uh, completely. Uh, fucked him up and i thought that was i don't know i this all, all the the music stuff was really really well done and clever and of course i'm a type of guy mm-hmm. that's watching schmigadoon for fun so it's exactly pitched up my alley sure sure i'm forever changed by what i've seen <laughs> i i also there's a couple other really kind of clever multi-stage callbacks like i really was entertained by the whole spiders thing you know, like she gets this un- weirdly fixated on the club name Spiders and whether it's full of spiders, it's owned by a spider and it goes back and forth. There's a couple callbacks. But then at the end of the episode, you see like her walking past uh, this guy being interviewed and he's the owner of the club and his name is Mr. Spiders. Hmm. And there's this I don't even complete the joke. It's just she just as she's going back, she's like, oh, OK, that clears that up. I thought that, that I, I, I love that shit. Gotcha. I didn't see that. That must have been episode two. Oh, right. Yes, that was the Valencia. Yeah, that was the. So the one that you missed is um, Josh is currently seeing a girl kind of casually. Her name's Valencia, and she is like everything that uh, Rebecca is not. You know, she's like a yoga instructor and she's fit and she's flexible and she probably doesn't have to bloodily wax her butthole. And, you know, uh, Rebecca kind of hates and is jealous and is threatened by her. And instead of, like, you know, respecting that, she launches into, like, an affectation that she's not. In fact, she loves Valencia and she wants to be Valencia's best. And she starts to, like, Josh's horror, like, set up a lunch date with her, start attending her yoga classes and... Uh, and it's sad because Valencia, she's like, you know, I used to have a solid, like, I haven't had, like, girlfriends for a long time. I used to have in high school, but then, like, I got boobs that started being pretty and everybody started hating me. And it's kind of a sad arc because at the end of it, she kind of realizes that Rebecca is, like, got this weird fixation with her. And it's, like, starting to commute to, like, um, <laughs> like erotic love. And it just blows up. So, yeah, you missed, you missed this, uh, her attempt to inhabit the space of josh's current girlfriend by being his girlfriend like the, hmm. the the song in that like it goes starts off by how much she just thinks you know she never thought she'd like a person like valencia but she's gotten to know her better but by the end of it she's singing about wanting to wear her skin and okay you yeah. know and wanting valencia to be able to want wants to kill her wear her dead skin and yet also have valencia tell her she looks pretty wearing her dead skin so okay. 
it, it gets nice. a little unhinged. All right. Well, that's probably the darkest of any of the songs in those first four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I bet that you're, like I said, Valencia, she shows up to show, I guess, what Josh was currently working with and then and then takes off. Um, yeah. And they do a flashback to that episode in the beginning of episode three, which I felt like clued me in enough to where I, I, I didn't get the, the wearing the skin part, but mm-hmm. everything else I, I understood. Like I said, I thought everything that was related, you know, this reminded me a lot of Lady Dynamite and that I grew up as, I think, an awkward kid. And, you know, like her recounting, it does this thing where she flashes back to her childhood. Um, And sometimes she. It's funny because like Lady Dynamite, when they did this, it was always like adult Marie Bamford, but she'd be wearing like Oshkosh Bagosh and they'd use a different color filter to suggest that she's now seven or eight years old or whatever. And I felt Mm -hmm. like they did. In the pilot, they just had adult, you know, Rachel Bloom in a giant retainer and Oshkosh Bagosh. And she was like, you know, that that was her being a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I guess she was 16. Was she really wearing Oshkosh? She's probably wearing she's probably wearing age appropriate 15, 16 year old. And I just just transmuted it. Yeah. But like in later episodes, they started getting like a child actor to be her. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I like the former approach better. Okay, I can see it. Um, but, then, but but then you can't have them talking later on in the episode where they're like comparing notes about where they thought they'd be. You could. It'd just be a lot harder. Be right? split screeny, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I didn't watch episode two, but episode three I thought was fun. It introduces some, some new characters. Uh, her neighbor is pretty good. The one who's like treating her like a case study for her psych class. Yeah, uh, I'm really en- Heather. I think is her name. I'm really enjoying her, and she's clearly developing like uh, either empathy or Stockholm syndrome because by the end of the uh-huh. fourth episode, she's starting to feel bad about her project and how her own <laughs> research is leading her to conclude, you know, with labels and whatnot. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so she's feeling something for her. I, I think they're, you know, they probably both have some shit they need to work through. Heather doesn't seem super well adjusted, but, you know. But she's, that's the thing. It's like, I, that's the funny thing about Heather is she's probably got the exact same thing that Rachel's, like a lot of the same problems Rachel's got. It's just she's too young to realize it yet. Okay. You I know. see it. It's like, I don't know, there's like the uniquely like, I think, 30 something breakdowns that people have where the first half of their life or all the entirety of their life has been like a rocket boosting the orbit. Like (laughs) you got to get into the best kindergartens, you got to get into the best schools, you got to take your SATs, you got to get into best uh, college and you got to get all the fraternities and then you got to get your postdoc and then you got to get the career and then you got to get the promotion, you got to make partnership and then you get there and then like, okay, now what do you do with the rest of your fucking life? Oh, shit, this is it. This is it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Heather's still in that boosting phase, clearly. Totally, yeah. It did, like, because, like, the thing is, is Rachel's making such a mess of her life. And I started thinking, it's like, I, I you know, it's easy to feel sympathetic to people who are very, very poor. And they don't have, ac- they, there's, there's, like, they're essentially locked out of a lot of access to uh, mental health and, and opportunities and whatnot, right? But then you have a person like Rachel who has like a half million dollar in a year income to throw around. And you look at like that allows her to make decisions on bad decisions on an epic scale. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like most people don't have the wherewithal to meet their ex-boyfriend that they dated once in summer school and high school in New York and then just uproot their life and move to L.A. Right. So that protects you. You know, the fact that you just you just you, just, you can't afford to do something that fucking crazy and insane. Uh, sure, in but, some ways, yeah. But Rachel is like able to like I I, I felt like they're telling a story of her uniquely indulging in some of this stuff uh, instead of confronting mm-hmm. what she's actually feeling, which is oh my god, what is 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 this all there is? Is this enough? Am I ever going to make my mom happy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so much of it seems to come from her parents. Um, her mom is kind of the worst 
Yeah. Very, she's for somebody who seems so concerned with her daughter's future. She seems remarkably self-obsessed, uh, selfish, just like this is what I want for you. That's that's not caring. That's selfishness. Well, and anytime I hear like, you know, when she finds out she moved to L.A., she's like, this is just a time that you uh, tried to kill yourself in law school. And it was such a big deal. Like it sent her it like. The, the, she's throwing that in her face is gross, but then also the takeaway on that is what a burden it was to her family and how embarrassing it was mm-hmm. to me personally. It's like you hear a mom saying that to her mid 30s child. It's like, ooh, that paints a picture. Yeah, it doesn't feel like I care about your future success. It's I care about the way your future success or lack thereof would reflect on me, you know. Just interesting because you see the flashbacks to her younger days when she's like 12 or something and her parents don't seem that well off. I, so I don't know where her mom gets this streak. Like I cuz I was assuming when I've in episode one, when I was hearing, you know, her talk and, and, and all this about her mom and pushing her to be this high power lawyer, I'm like, okay, well, she must have been also, right? Right. We I don't from know a if family that's of lawyers the story. And doctors and... Right, but that house looks like my fucking parents' house from the 90s, right? Like, yeah, it's, I was it's to, not that impressive. Dad, I was... <sighs> I felt like that that looked anachronistic with her so? age and whatnot. Like it's it felt like um, that scene reminded me of like a Starsky and Hutch era scene. The way her dad wasn't her dad dressed like bizarrely. Yeah, he's dressed in like maybe a cardigan or something. I don't Is know. Is he okay? I I don't know. I I couldn't figure out like whether like the essential facts of that story are true, right? But like everything around it. But yeah, I don't. I, yeah, it's 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 tough to say. I you're you're right. I wasn't even thinking about that because I had still assumed that she had these successful parents, and I hadn't fully integrated that flashback scene into the equation. Um, yeah. yeah, I assumed too, and it 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 was kind of jarring when I saw it. Um, but it's maybe one of those things where it's like her mom was like obsessed with the idea her daughter get all the advantages she never got. Sure, I, or I like can see you that. know I made all these sacrifices so that you could get in this trajectory, and by God, it's going to pay off. Yeah, totally. I don't know. We're probably talking uh, out of school here where, like, I mean, the show will go on to tell sure. us everything we na- need to know about that. But Actually, in season four, two, six. episode five, you find out that uh, she is a trust fund baby. And no, I, yeah, you're, right, you're, you're right. probably right. Um, but yeah, like I said, I find all this very relatable. I like the party episode where she's worried that anyone's going to show up. And mm-hmm. um, did you think that her her invitation flyer implied that she's going to light her house on fire? I mean, I'm a reasonable human being, I think. So no, yeah. okay. no, of course not. But <laughs> okay, here here was my so so. I guess I have two complaints. Um, this is this is one of them. The fucking awful boy band song uh, was the other. But I don't like the "I Have Friends" song. I think it's mean spirited. I the the way they portray her quote unquote friends and when she's protesting, I totally have friends. I definitely have friends. And they go through this list of friends who are all like physic have physical abnormalities, let's say. They they are characteristically ugly, um, or stereotypically ugly. I think that's a little mean spirited. I didn't like that song. It's mean spirited, but I do think they're 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 trying to get at something that's true which is children that have low self-esteem or who have been bullied tend to like seek out for friends like the kids that are on the low end of the totem pole because they're never going to reject them like you go sure, with the kid sure. with the lazy eye or the kid with the bad lisp or the weird skin condition and they're going to you know just be thrilled that someone's talking to them right so like that's a true thing that but is it is it but I, I, I and, and like articulating it doesn't seem does seem cruel. It almost felt like they were saying these people aren't worthy of friendship, and I, I, I don't know. I, I felt yeah, no. I think like I said I, I'm that acknowledging song. that it's an offensive concept, but and it's it's a true. It's like so. What do you do with stuff that's sure. like deeply offensive, but also probably true? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I don't know. Because the other thing is like... I guess you don't make it a joke in your television show is what I would do with it. Well, this other but, problem is like, I think you're supposed to understand that Rachel Bloom is not attractive. She she was one of those uh, quote-unquote ugly kids at camp, right? Like she... She, she was big, done re- up to oversized retainer. As... She didn't dress cool. She's probably yeah. awkward about her body and all that. But that's it's one of those. Um, there's there's yeah, like that happens. Is like um, you have a very a conventionally very pretty woman like Rachel Bloom. I think is very attractive. That's mm-hmm. um, you know they could they they do dress her in ways that make her seem kind of frumpy and down or whatever. But like yeah, she's obviously a very attractive person. So it feels like it's punching down. But I think you understand that like mm-hmm. you're supposed to understand that she. You know, it's like, I don't know if you're like really chubby growing up and then you get thin, like you always have that kind of like mental image of yourself and you feel, you know what it's like when people reject you. And so it's that's, Hmm. so I guess what you're supposed to say is like, she's also hideous. So it's not making fun (laughs) of it's right. But it doesn't work because she's actually very attractive. Yeah. 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 It's like Amy Schumer when she says about like what a wildebeest she is. And it's like, eh. You're still pretty convinced. You still have a very conventionally attractive height, weight proportion. No, they, they did this in Better Call Saul. They left me a little uncomfortable when they were looking for like low lives and freaks. They just and they brought would, in a bunch of people who were, let's say, unconventionally or conventionally unattractive. Um, yeah. And, and had piercings and like they, they were looking for abnormalities in people. Yeah. And I don't. I don't like that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's like I was so I was watching the episode of Greatest American Hero last night for my stupid oh, Feeny no. show. Oh, and no. we clicked at this Wizards and Wizards and Warlocks episode where Greatest American Hero te- uh, takes on the satanic panic of D&D. Okay. And like everything that they tried to portray Dungeons and Dragons as and role playing in general is like fucking ludicrous. But they also casted a certain type of person that would be playing these games. Mm. It was a fair it was a fair stereotype of the people playing Dungeons and Dragons in 1983, 84, right? In the era, yeah. Yeah, these weren't like you don't have the 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 football, high school football star. You don't have this the the lead cheerleader. You don't have it's 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 the weird misfit kids that are doing you know looking up uh, fucking armor class tables and and uh, difficulty modifiers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, it's like one of those things where it's like is so like when twenty twenty three with Dungeons and Dragons is this huge thing and it's headlined by these conventional like, who's that fucker that's in critical role that that's the dungeon the the dungeon master. Uh, he's a dreamboat. He's 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 essentially he's like a male model. You know, he's got he's got beautiful hair, a nice body. Uh, all the players at his table are, are attractive and and with bright careers and sparkling personalities. And I'm so glad for us that role playing has reached that kind of penetration. But I'd also be lying if I said we were there in 1983. And I don't know. Like I said, it's like I recognize what you're saying about the cruelty. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But it's like it's also a, yeah, it's also and, a true thing. And look, it's a it's an edgy comedy from the mid 2010s. I I don't want to get like too crazy here and say that you can't tell this joke. But like, it's definitely an edgy joke. Are you feeling guilty? Was I your troll friend that you hung out with because you had low self esteem? <laughs> And you're like, there's a guy who's not going to reject me. Ooh, oh boy, what do I say here? No. <laughs> I think I think we're we're getting See, some, cl- close to some psychology here. <laughs> here's the trick: we didn't hang out that much as kids, so mm. you couldn't have been. You couldn't mm. have been. Mm. Yeah, you were too far below my standards to even be my troll friend. Turns out, true, true. Uh, oh, I feel so bad. Yeah, no, I feel so I, bad. I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> now I've realized I'm a troll friend. Well, that's something like um, I, I you didn't see the Valencia episode, but there's something like in a similar kind of way where you got this like very attractive person and she thinks that this person uh, who she sees as a successful attract, like, you know, she's not um, a yoga person, but she's got a Harvard law degree and she's like very accomplished professionally, and also Rachel Bloom kind is 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 uh, I think 
even by L.A. standards, fairly hot. And she thinks she's found a uh, like a, a bestie, you know, a potential bestie that's got got her. And then she finds out that because uh, like Rachel makes a sloppy advance to try to kiss her. Mm-hmm. And she like says, Jesus Christ, why does everyone want to fuck me? And it's like one of those things where it's like only a 9.9 out of 10 can say something like, yes, of course, everyone wants to fuck you. Like you're mm-hmm. the ideal for fuckability. And that's kind of a cross you have to bear. And that's true. And that's also kind of offensive to the rest of us. But like, it must be hard to be sure, sure. People an attractive person and never know yet. whether people like you for who you are. It's like being a rich person, too. Right. Do they like me for me or for my money? Yes, there are the there, there are privileges that cut both that, that cut both ways. Um, mm-hmm. But also keeping it real, we, we all know which side of that we'd rather be on. Right. <laughs> I'd rather oh, be sure the yeah. benefits probably outweigh the downsides. You'd, ra- you'd rather there, but... be the one that has to beat people off with a stick than the one that no one ever wants to touch. So it's another sure. thing. It's like and it's it, it's played off because she's not the the protagonist. It's played off as just her being totally ridiculous and shameless. But I'm like, eh, no, that must that that that's probably legitimately hard. Sure, sure. Uh, can we start having weekend Tuesday at Bald Move? I think uh, that would be good. That's our can that's our usual on camera day. So like how I mean uh-huh. also like what day isn't weekend Tuesday? What day Did is you, it? Are you weekend? wanna wear a sombrero? Is it about the pictures of Margarito? Like what are we trying <laughs> oh, to target? Gotcha. Here? As depicted in the show. <laughs> yeah, weekend Tuesday didn't feel very weekendy to me. I mean, are, are you even wearing hard pants right now? Fuck no. Okay. No way. That's what I'm talking about. Why would I do that? Pajama it's parties week- all day, every day. <laughs> it's weekend Wednesday, man. Why would I be doing that? Um we can we'll make it up by wearing a suit a tuxedo once a quarter how about that well we already do it once a year for the baldies so it's like yeah pick up another two or three oh true major true. bank holidays sure i don't know their weekend tuesday seemed pretty pathetic they were still at the office it's it seemed like it was just drinking tuesday like everybody just had drinks and was still kind of expected to work but not i don't know what weekend tuesday is it's funny it's a funny line yeah it's a funny concept it's it's it's, what a it's what a place with bad lighting and bad furniture and limited budgets do to seem fun you know you can wear an aloha shirt you can wear a sombrero kind of like her party i i really loved Mm. i'm gonna say i unironically love the decorations at her party this uh potpourri of various holiday decorations like a valentine heart and a christmas tree ornament and congrats grad banner and it's just funny like, i i just now realized that's what they were doing that is just like whatever uh-huh. she had laying around she's just trying to make it look festive yeah it's what's um what's her Should friend it... slash paralegal's name oh, i just looked it up damn it it is Paula. uh yeah, 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 yeah. Paula. Uh yeah, it's it's whatever she had in her family stash, I take it. She should turn off half the lights. Yeah. Nothing says lame party like everything lit the daylight levels. Mm-hmm. If you gotta get a ladder and get up there and unscrew some bulbs, you do it. If you cause... got to, you got to, because like you just can't get a party going with full bright. I mean, that's when they want everyone to go home at a bar, they mm-hmm. flip on the lights. Yep. Cockroaches scurry. You got to keep them. You got to. You got to. You got to douse those flames. Uh, the, the whole premise here is like she's trying to face her fears by throwing this party and a, a place where she just. I I love Josh's reaction to it when he walks in and she's like been so worried that this is going to be such a lame party, and he's going to know it and see it and judge her, and then he walks in and he's like. Oh, of course your party's lame. You don't know anybody here. You just moved here like a week ago. Right. Why would you have friends here already? Right. No, I, that's the thing. It's like Josh seems like a cool dude. Mm-hmm. But also, I can't imagine him and Rachel getting together. If she had her mental shit together a little bit more, she'd be way out of his league. <laughs> like, that's that's the thing. Yeah. Is like she is so insecure that she comes off as well. I don't think she does because like I don't think Josh is recognizing this because again he's a decent guy. Seems like he's a decent guy. Um, who also maybe because like I think they're giving a little hint that he was a little in an unhealthy relationship with Valencia. 
you know oh possibly because I like you know him you know she was like uh but i don't know because like I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to do the math here uh she could be rightfully outraged that he would be hanging out with rachel after the things that went down in the club mm-hmm. so like i i think the episode so did you come across when when he texted when valencia texted him that she's back and you know and he texted her back and said like oh you can't control me did that read as like a toxic thing to you no okay so maybe maybe josh is he's screwed up in his own way because that's another maybe way they I, could go with it yeah maybe they make him screwed up he he seems pretty down to earth he just seems a little dim he, he's that's not the thing he's handsome yeah he's affable and that's mm. it there is not he's charming he's yeah and he's there's nothing wrong great with shape like yeah there's nothing wrong with uh, a guy who wants to hang around and skateboard all day and and his his oh, uh, for fondest sure. of, um his his fondest uh ambition is was working for best buy is mm-hmm. that where he the job I, I, it was it, effectively best buy it's, i wasn't sure if it was actually best buy or was like something like best buy no it's uh, aloha tech center it's like this hawaiian themed TV sales Best Buy type place yeah I don't know but wasn't he also selling cell phones or something but but yeah anyway um, and it's like I said that, that's that's a perfectly fine type of guy to be I don't mm-hmm. know if like a Harvard Yale hard charging lawyer is going I mean maybe they could make that work but there's not gonna they're not gonna have a lot of things in their professional lives in common clearly don't have a lot of things in their personal lives in common it's like what's what's there and like I think you're yeah. exactly right she like it's got to be that as she gets healthier or gets a better handle on who she wants to be and who she is, she's going to realize that like, Oh, actually this is not a great match. Yeah. The, the weird thing is I'm so, so they've got this uh, other character here who is like one of Josh's acquaintances friends. I, it's hard to say exactly how close they are, but Greg, the, the bartender at uh, home base, Mm-hmm who seems more in tune with her yes in some ways but also there's something about their chemistry together that is volatile that they they i I don't know there's like there's something about that relationship that feels toxic well but they're more on the same level as far as like their their intellectual interests i guess yeah it's but he's got the Rachel problem where he is like so fucking uh, has such a low opinion of himself that like, you know, that again, mm-hmm. I do think I think they're pretty uh, roughly evenly matched. But he's singing this big settle for me song. Right, right. Like that's pathetic. That's uh-huh. super. I think it doesn't she even say something to that effect. Like I've been thinking about and it's kind of and she, she even says I think she even says that to him. Yeah, she calls it a settle for me vibe that he had when asking her out. Gotcha. Because she wasn't privy to this. This that was the, that was not a diegetic thing she's participating in. Yeah. yeah. Um, which reminded me a lot of like, uh, is it John? C- yeah, John C. Riley cellophane man routine he did in Chicago. Um, but 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 yeah, like I think that's his problem is that he has got. Um, I'm not sure what his deal is because you know he's not the main character and we haven't got any flashbacks or whatnot. But like he for mm-hmm. whatever reason doesn't think that he. Uh, could get on a pl- fair playing field a girl like Rebecca. Yeah. Which is, I, I don't know, because she's chasing after the much hunkier Josh, I guess. Right. I don't, mean I don't even know what their connection is, because the, the only thing they do to set this up is show a scene of them breaking up, essentially, at summer camp in, when she was 16. So I don't know like what their relationship like. Why does she like Josh so much? Because he's because she her. was young and impressionable, and this was like her first infatuation. Um, yeah, it could be. Did they um, have a genuinely great time at summer camp and fall it, madly in love? I I don't know. It does seem like that is true. That this was a perfectly fine, sweet 16, 15 year old whatever relationship, and it was a summer camp thing, and he understood that, and she didn't. But, like, I think you're supposed to understand that Josh is kind of like the kid with the lazy eye. It's not that he is the one for her. It's just that she would find it very easy to reconnect with him. Okay. 
And because she does have this history, that's less scary than just trying to put herself out there, you know, to find a real match. You know, there's a reason people burn through exes, you know, like, oh, sure. Yeah, I know. It's it's unhealthy, but totally relatable. Yeah, Um, yeah. You're 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 out of the relationship long enough to forget about the bullshit that drove you out. You just have the good memories, and then it's like, oh well, you know, why didn't yeah, we for stick sure. together and call uh, him up at three o'clock in the morning? And you're drunk and shit happens. I I guess they're telling. So here's the other thing that I love about this show: it's these butter commercials. I guess they're telling <laughs> a lot of the story through these butter commercials because now it clicked with me. The first butter commercial she sees is one that's like, "When were you the happiest, or in your life, or whatever?" Mm-hmm. And I think that's it, right? Like she, that was the last time she was happy, was at oh. age sixteen when right before Josh said, "Yeah, I'm, I don't really want to see you much, or whatever." Wow, that's sad, right? Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, those those things get sadder and sadder. And by the end of the fourth episode, <laughs> there's a scene with the guy who's writing them that I think is amazing. Um, <laughs> Do you feel disgusted and uneasy with your current butter? <laughs> make an effort. Make a decision. Don't make mistakes. Uh, oh, so good. I can't believe it's not bad self-esteem. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I I'm trying to think of what else I want to say. I'm actually in, uh, relieved because like that's the, there's two big concerns I had with this project. Number one, crazy ex girlfriends. What? Number two is like when it became clear it was a comedy. I'm like, oh man, those are always tough to talk about. But like I said, some of those things, like all the ones we talked about in this class, like Lady Dynamite, BoJack Horseman, easily is enough to you know they have enough real life issues. That that's the other thing is like this stuff is like. You know, starting to become well-trod ground, but like seven, eight years ago, there weren't any, there wasn't anything that was talking about this kind of thing. Like I said, Mm -hmm. it's extremely relatable to anyone who's had some kind of like self-confidence issue or neurosis or full-blown mental illness, but like nobody, nobody ever like bothered to tell a accurate tale of like what it's like to be, you know, go through something like this from the inside, you know? And, Mm -hmm. uh... And now that you, I've seen several of them, it's just like that first episode in particular is just like the setup of it is just so painful to watch her in a mm-hmm. musical montage, leave everything that she's worked for to go to this. And also the whole like she's in denial, you know, like oh, that's, yeah. that's the the, um, the the whole the whole point of that song is like I'm doing something crazy for this boy. But I have also a lot of perfectly adult reasons that I could be moving out here. It's not just about the boy, but it's also about the boy. But I have plausible deniability and that yeah, makes it yeah. a healthy decision that I'm doing for myself. And um, and then just like that, that scene is like towards the end where she's like pouring her prescription bottles down the garbage disposal. Just like, oh, Jesus Christ, you're doing all this and mm-hmm. this cannot end well. And I'm sure it won't. Um, well, actually, I hope at the it end of season will. four, it does end well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, she doesn't you know, spiral and lose her job and go into homelessness and drug addiction and God knows what else. Uh, that would be a, a major bummer. But, uh, mm-hmm. oh, so here's something. We we're just talking about Ted Lasso. This is on an OTC, but um, out of context spoilers for the, the latest Ted Lasso. There is a woman who finds herself with a strange man um, and he puts her at ease by having a frank discussion about like oh yeah i understand the whole the, I, i'm all hip to this whole rape culture thing and how men drug women and take advantage of them but i just want you to know that uh i'm not i'm super not that's not 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 even on my my mind it's so much not on my mind that i'm giving a, a, a advanced debrief about it right. and there was a similar scene with like the the the, the creepy scars guard kid from in barbarian there is like the woman side of this, like in 2015, where she's uh, hooking up with this rando. She's making this, you know, bad decision uh, to 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 hook up with this this, this rando guy, and she's singing the song uh, about you know the dramatizing it. But like it, the the third the, the the third part of the song ends up, she's like just you know, please don't be a murderer, please don't like you know do all this other stuff. And I'm like, that's fine. For the, are you getting what I'm saying here? It's like I, I, I think it's, it's, it's okay when a woman is thinking about that because of course she would, 
but it always unnerves me when I see the guys doing it. Am I crazy? Sure. I'm not getting any buy-in on you from this. You're, you're not being, you're not no, shaking. No, I, you're not like, oh, no, I totally get what you're saying here. <laughs> no, I, I do. Well, yeah, we talked about this the other day on OTC, and I think um, it it makes sense. I, I, I don't know. It feels weird to give voice to a thought like that if you are the person who i don't know i i'm yeah i think you're right just giving voice to it because if she's literally like if you're on a, a, a date and you invite someone you know you're on a first date you don't know this person you invite him back to your house and you get to where you're about to do the deed and you just to be like hey look whatever you do just don't fucking murder me okay uh you know like i just want to put that on the table that i don't want you to murder me it's fucking it's fucking weird like what back when i was dating <laughs> one time had this gal come up and met me at this uh a place we're gonna have dinner and she said just as she's sitting down she says i just want you to know that i've sent your picture and your name to three of my best <laughs> oh, friends great. and if i don't contact them within 90 minutes they're gonna call the police and that's I'm something like, you do when you feel the when you feel the bad things are about to happen that is not something you do at the start of an encounter <laughs> it's not, but it's like one of those things that's like and i'm like i i i'm taking strike because i'm like okay you know i was already kind of starting my like understand you know I, I don't know about understanding when but like you know opening eyes about like what their side what their side of this all bullshit sure, looks sure. like so i kind of took it in strides like okay fair play you put me on notice i uh, if I, if I if I if I had duct tape and rope and 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 a spade in my trunk, I would I would I would know that you're not the one to pull that shit with. But also, mm-hmm. there was no second date because that was a really awkward way to start things out with. So it's like I don't know, and it's of like it's course, another yeah. level of awkward if it's like the predator. That's that's the thing. Like if you are the person who could who would potentially be doing the horrible thing and you bring it up that just puts everybody on alert that, that's yeah. that is not imagine the predator and predator 2 coming up to danny glover and be like look i know i know how things i know the reputation we have uh i know we collect skulls and rip out spines <laughs> but i just want you to know i respect you as a warrior and I wouldn't. It's like it's like okay, dude. All right, I wasn't even thinking that you're gonna fucking skin me and tear, rip up my spine. But, but now you're talking about it, and it's that's that's all. That's all. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's 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 weird to have the male characters do that as a disarming technique. And I I also I I like I I need some real world reports. Does this shit work? Like, are you a woman? Have you ever been put at ease by a man being like, relax? I'm not going to murder you. You know. Uh, right it's it's you should be able to tell i, I don't know maybe it's a i'm offering you a drink of, i want you to know i know about the possibility of drugging it and i want you to sure assure you as a stranger i'm not i haven't right. done it yeah i've done it see that kitchen knife over there yeah i could use that <laughs> it's very sharp super sharp uh-huh. i could shave with it but you know it's got to go nowhere near your throat or skin it's uh it's weird right it's weird i've seen it twice in the last year and it's like huh i don't know I don't know yeah. how I'd feel if I was a woman and someone uh, I, 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 uh, and someone approached me like that, but I'm not. I, don't know. I, I imagine it's it's tough to tell with some people because so here's another thing. Uh, we were just watching Yellow Jackets the other day, and somebody called Misty charming and uh, impulsive. Mm. Those are two characteristics that can be very fun. Um, and endearing in a person but he labeled them as traits of a serial killer so like true the the thing about it is you you want to say well i should be able to tell by their body language and by the things they're doing and the way they're behaving that they're not a crazy person who's going to do something horrible to me but also that might be their way of just getting your trust before they do something horrible to you so yeah i'm sympathetic to like you just can't know and you got to have as much protections as you can but it does it is a total vibe killer for sure to say it's, i'm not don't worry i'm not going to murder you yeah it's it's amazing the species can propagate with the <laughs> the stakes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um or just that horny i mean it's that's true that's, that's pretty, what happens you it's know a pretty it big overrides our our thinking capabilities yeah yeah evolution hell of a drug 
Uh, do you want to get to Melanie's closing thoughts, or do you have other things that you want yeah. to talk about in terms of your crazy, my crazy ex-girlfriend? No, no. I enjoyed my time with it. Or it's not Mike, like it's just crazy it. ex-girlfriend. Sorry. It's not uh-huh. either one of ours. It's just a crazy she ex-girlfriend. Is the crazy ex-girlfriend. Uh, Melanie comes back and says, additional fun facts, Rachel Bloom is nominated for a Hugo Award for a song video, Fuck Me, Ray Bradbury. It's amazing. You should watch it. It's only three minutes long and totally worth the time. I did because I, I, you know, I, I like Ray Bradbury and it turns out I'm a Rachel Bloom fan. Um, impressive the way she worked in so many of his book titles uh, in context into the song about wanting to fuck Ray Bradbury. Nominated uh, for a what? A Hugo Award. Science fiction Award. A science fiction, like the most prestigious science fiction award for a song called Fuck Me Ray Bradbury that just nominated a bunch of his books? Nominated. Nominated. Why? Was it a sci-fi? I mean, Did it have a... like a sci-fi story to the song? What? That's weird. The I can understand a <laughs> Grammy, but a Hugo? <laughs> okay, what are the type? What are the okay? I got I got to get to the bottom of this because I never even thought that this is an inappropriate award uh, to to offer. It's a literary award. Yeah. Our okay. um, songs literature. That's really strange. Named after Hugo Gernsback, the founding of pioneering science fiction magazine Amazing Stories back in the fifties. Um. Oh my God. Um, the awards were originally given in seven categories. These categories have changed and shifted over the years, and the award is currently conferred in 17 different categories of written oh. and dramatic works. Okay, there we go. So apparently there must be... Oh, here, there's a helpful categories. Uh, there's best fan cast. Uh, best... I, I don't know what, you, what, what this would be under... Boy, the Hugos have really shit themselves over the years sometimes, huh? <laughs> like 1958, outstand. They had a category called Outstanding Actifan fan in 1958, which was awarded to the favorite fan? Number one fan personality in 1953? Boy, really disgraced themselves. So it, it got nominated for Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form. Okay. Sure, it's hard to argue with that. Plus, you're you're pandering. Oh, okay. You're pandering when you're wanting to fuck Ray Bradbury, the Hugo Awards. I I find it hard to say that it's a sci-fi work, mm. but sure. Was Ray I haven't Bra- heard it either. So how <laughs> old is Ray Bradbury is. at the time of the awards release? Maybe it's like because he was like ninety-five. Is it is the fact that he would get an erection is the science fiction part? <laughs> God, that the technology that, that would exist to to get uh-huh. a rise out of Ray Ray Bradbury's burnt out neurons is that the science fiction part? Yeah, uh, it's a brave brave new world in Ray Bradbury's <laughs> pants with all the medication required. It was a it was the lowest rated show on broadcast television ever to get a third and fourth season renewal. Uh, C, the CW kept renewing it because of critical acclaim and also like really what else do they have? I mean, come on. Rachel won a Golden Globe for Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Series, Comedy, or Musical in 2016. The show has an overall 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Emmys snubbed all the actors because they're the Emmys. Well, of course they did. Um, It's not just a low-rated... For two out of its four seasons, it was the (laughs) lowest-rated renewed series on all of network television. Ugh. Like that doesn't include like the outdoors network and like the chainsaw Olympics and shit like that. But like, and, and on, th- uh, so I said, it's the lowest out of two out of four seasons on th- one of the seasons. It was the second lowest. So like three out of its four seasons was the, the absolute wow. lowest rated or second lowest rated. Uh, you may recognize Rebecca's mom as Deanna from the walking dead. She's actually a four time Tony nominated stage performer and far too talented for the walking mm. dead. Well, that's every actor on that show. So <laughs> fair. I don't know if you noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not. Did you, did you recognize her? Uh huh. Yeah. Well, okay. maybe only because I read that comment, but yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, and that is it for Melanie's fun facts. So fun fact, Melanie, I appreciated your commission and enjoyed watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Again, it's mm-hmm. uh, its entirety is streaming on Netflix right now. So if you're curious about it, check out the first episode. 
Um, like I said, I think I it's um, I don't think this is a slow build. I don't think it's one of those things where you got to watch for to get into it. Like I think it puts its best foot forward in the first episode and continues on from there. So mm-hmm. yeah, give it a give if you got thirty nine minutes in your day and you want to see something quirky. If you like, like I said, BoJack or Lady Dynamite, and you're looking for something along those lines, uh, check it out. It's also like a departure from the, all those others because this is not a Hollywood person. You know, Bojack Horseman and mm. Lady Dynamite are all about like the layer of of absurdity Hollywood puts on all this shit too. You know, like uh mm. she's she's very upper middle class um and very well educated and maybe that but it still has got to be more relatable than uh anthropomorphic horse that was in a TV sitcom. So Probably. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. Um, that's going to do it for this commission. Again, thank you, Melanie, for commissioning this podcast. If you're like, well, this seems like a pretty cool idea. I can have Jim and Aaron watch something that I want them to watch and then record a dedicated podcast to. How do I get in on that action? Go to support.baldmove.com and check out the link for commission podcasts. Uh, you click on the link. Uh, there's a forum where we'll take your money. Uh, you got a you got a, a slot where you can submit what media you want us to watch. Any two-ish hours of media. It could be a movie, a television show, uh, a graphic novel series. I I don't know. It's uh, uh, apparently someone tried to sneak in a Super Bowl. Uh, the sky's the limit. Support.baldmove.com. Once again, thank you, Melanie, and uh, we'll see you on the next Bald Move Pulp podcast. <laughs>